thank You that You're worthy, Lord. You are perfect. You're far above and beyond even our comprehension. Lord, our hearts, Lord, as we come before You are full of worship. We humble ourselves before You, we pray. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. It's so good to be with you this morning. I wanna add my welcome to you if you are new to Bridgman. This is maybe your first time. It is so good that you're with us. If you are online, um, so good to have you too. Uh, We are continuing in our series, uh, Your Kingdom Come. And in the second part of the series, week three, and today we're looking at the fact that every believer is empowered, empowering every Believer, that's our topic. And I, I don't know about you, I love God's Word. Does anyone else love God's Word? Uh, it's a treasure. It truly is. As we open it up, it's a treasure for us, for life, um, that we might know God and know His ways in this world and in our lives. As we look at Jesus' kingdom, one thing that we will notice is that His kingdom is far above far beyond, far greater, far better than we could ever imagine. Uh, Let me just explain what I mean by that just a little while. It's beyond human thinking or comprehension is what what I'm saying. You might remember the Apostle Peter, one of Jesus' disciples, he said, Jesus, I know that you're the Messiah. You're the King. And then soon after that, Jesus said, I'm gonna die. And he said, no, 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 Jesus, you're not gonna die. That's not a good thing. Um, Because in Peter's mind, he thought, Jesus, you're king and you are coming to build a kingdom. And in his human thinking, he was like, okay, you're gonna overthrow the Roman rule and you are gonna set up a kingdom. And I like that, that's amazing. But Jesus said, no, no. I'm doing something far greater than you can even comprehend. And Jesus laid down his life, he died, he rose again to build an eternal kingdom, to build a spiritual kingdom for all people, all nations. That that was he doing on a global, eternal, world scale. Jesus was building a spiritual kingdom for the hearts of you and for me for every person. Do you see how that is so much greater than Peter's idea? This is great, Jesus, come and build this kingdom over Rome, overthrow these Romans and rule here on earth. Can you see, it's not even to the same scale or extent, it's far beyond and above human comprehension. So much so that the disciples nearly missed it. They were happy with the earthly kingdom. They nearly missed the fullness of what God was doing. And as we look at the way Jesus builds his kingdom now, I wanna say to us, we could almost miss it. it. It is so good, it is so big, it is so beyond our comprehension that if we're not careful, we'll miss it. And so this morning, no one wants to miss it here, do we? No one wants to miss it. We're gonna listen in, we're gonna look at Jesus' words as he prepares his disciples for when he leaves. What sort of king does that? What sort of king sets up a kingdom and then leaves? And he's preparing his disciples in this passage we're gonna look at at the moment. 
In John, uh, first of all, we actually, we're going to look at three things. Just put it right out there from the start. We're going to look at the, the power of Jesus empowering every believer. We'll look at the model of Jesus that we're to follow and the works of Jesus that come from that. So as we look at our first little passage, we're looking at the power of Jesus. In John 14, as he speaks to his disciples preparing, he says, if you love me, this is in verse 15, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. He said, you know, if you love me, I'm gonna give you the spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. It's like a part of the Trinity. He says, the Spirit's gonna come and will live with you and in you. And then Jesus said, I'm not gonna leave you as awesome orphans. I will come and be with you and in you. Jesus living inside of us. As I said, beyond our comprehension. So good. It says, because I live, you will also live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father. You are in me and I am in you. Later in, in John 16, he says, it is actually to your advantage that I go because I will send the Holy Spirit. So in this first part of him preparing his believers for the kingdom to continue to expand, he says, I'm gonna give you the power and the power will be my presence in you. The Holy Spirit living inside my followers. Now Jesus said in this, this passage, and then if we read in Acts, he said, before you do anything, he said, before you do anything, wait for the Holy Spirit to come upon you. If you've read Acts, you might be familiar with that. It says, he said to his disciples in Acts 1.4, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for my gift, to gift, gift of grace, Holy Spirit, my Father promised, the one that I've just spoken about, which you've heard me speak about, for John baptised with water, but in a few days you'll be baptised with the Holy Spirit. And then in verse eight it says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea, Samaria and the ends of the earth. He's saying, don't do anything. Don't go anywhere until you receive power from the Holy Spirit. Now, if we think about this, Jesus had already died. He'd already risen again, said it's finished, the work's done. The message for them to share is complete. Tell the world that I love them, I've died for them, I've made a way, it's all done. He's got his followers, got the people to share that message. Like they could have just gone. But he said, don't do that. You might have the message, you might be following me, but you don't yet have the power. And he says, don't move until you've got the power. And as we look to bring his kingdom into this world, we might have the message, we might be his followers, but we need the power. Jesus 
living and working in and through us. And if you read on in Acts 2, you see the disciples waited and then the Spirit of God came and filled them as believers. If you read Acts 2, you'll see that. And I want to say that the, the difference that the Holy Spirit made is incredible. Let's just look at the life of Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. You might remember Peter, he had all the good intentions, he had all the bravado. He's like, Jesus, I will never deny you, I will follow you, whatever happens to you, I'll be there. You might remember that. And Jesus said, before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me three times. And then we read the account where he does, in fact, under pressure, full of anxiety and fear and worry as Jesus is about to be crucified, he denied Jesus three times once in front of just a servant girl in a courtyard, fearful, fully fearful. But if you read Acts 2, when he is filled with the Spirit, you read on and you see this picture of Peter standing in front of thousands of people Proclaiming, it says, filled with the Spirit, he proclaimed Jesus. To the same people that crucified and condemned Jesus, he wasn't running from them, he was saying, you crucified Jesus. Can you see those two pictures? And can you see there is something different about Peter in the first picture? With the human intentions, human desires, let me do it, I can do it. And the second one where he's filled with the Holy Spirit. What do we do with that? I was thinking, like you can see that and you think, that's a nice story. That's good for Peter. Or do we go one step further and say, well, if if this is true, if Jesus, you say that your spirit can come and live in me and fill me and move me, I want it. If this is what you say, God, if this is how you work, I want to live a life filled by your spirit. That's another response. Not just thinking, oh, that's good for Peter, that's back in the days. But this is the way of Jesus. This is not my idea, this is what the scriptures say. If this is who God is, I want it. I want to be filled with the spirit. I want to be empowered by the spirit of God in my life. And if you look at Peter's life, it was never the same. He just, you could just read and you can see. And we won't all be Peters. We're not all gonna be preaching in front of thousands. But what I'm saying is the Spirit of God comes upon you, as in you're different to me, we're all different, but there's a capacity and a power that will influence your life that's greater than yourself. That is the Christian life. Let me explain it a little bit more, what being filled with the Spirit Um, means, or just to illustrate, in Ephesians 5.18, Paul says, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, instead be filled with the Spirit. So what he's saying here, he's comparing, he said, you might have seen someone who is drunk, don't be like that, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now if you've seen someone that's drunk, they've drink, drunk alcohol, they're inebriated, you will see that it affects all that they are. The way that they think, the way that they speak, the way that they act, there's another power influencing who they are in that moment and how they're acting. 
It's acting upon them. So much so that, that uh, you've probably heard the saying, it wasn't them doing, it was the alcohol speaking. <laughs> because there is a power at work upon them that is beyond themselves, making them do things that they would not usually do. Do you see in Peter's life that he was doing something that he wouldn't usually do in his own strength? If we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit comes on us and lives in us and through us. There is a power available to us that is beyond our capacity. The way we think, the way we speak, the way we act, a capacity that is available to us that is beyond ourselves. That is the Christian life. That, that is the Holy Spirit filling and indwelling and empowering the believer. Someone once said the Christian life is not hard, it's impossible. It's not hard, it's impossible. Unless it can be supernatural, we cannot live the way Jesus lived. We cannot love the way that Jesus loved. It has to be him coming in and living through us. And so if we see that there's a power available to us, the next question we might ask is, well, how? How do I live that life? And as we go and we look at this passage, we see that Jesus gives us a model for how to live this life. Isn't it incredible? Jesus, the son of God, he came in human flesh. He came and lived as a human and he gives us a model as to what it's like to live this life. Let's read in John 14, nine to 10, it says, Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you show, say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Listen to this. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Who's doing the work? The Father through Jesus. You, you see that even Jesus, the Son of God, lived a life fully surrendered and dependent upon his Father. Saying, I don't do anything of my own. I only do what I hear the Father saying and I do what I see the Father doing. And it's actually the Father doing his work in and through me. We see this in John 5. Jesus heals this cripple. He'd been crippled for 38 years and he said, pick up your mat and walk. And they begin questioning him about what authority do you have to do this? And Jesus in verse 19 says, Very truly I tell you, the Son of Man, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his Father doing. Because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Jesus lived in complete dependence on his Father. And do you see the connection here that as Jesus is preparing to leave and give the the Holy Spirit to his followers, and it's gonna, the Holy Spirit will live in us, he's saying, look at how I functioned. It, it, it wasn't me doing the work, the, the Father worked in and through me. And so now I'm saying, the Holy Spirit, I'm gonna come and live within you. You, you won't do the work, I will do it in 
and through you as you surrender and as you are dependent upon me. Again, that is the Christian life. And we're all growing in that. I don't stand here as someone, as an expert or who's made it, but we are learning to live in that place where he comes and works in and through us. But I, I thought to myself as I was studying this, Jesus is not interested in building Andrew's kingdom. <laughs> I mean, he loves me. He does. He really loves me. But he is not going to empower me to build Andrew's kingdom. <laughs> the Spirit of God comes and empowers us to build his kingdom. And the best life that I can live is what I was created for and you were created for, is to live for God and live for, for his kingdom. And the greatest life you or I can live is when we come under his authority and allow him to work in and through us. That's the supernatural life. That's the Holy Spirit empowered life. And it's the best life that we can live when we lay down self, lay down my ideas, my ways, my way of doing things and trust him and allow him to do it. Absolutely dependent as Jesus was. We become a conduit of God. Uh, when, when we look at the world today, it is broken. It needs healing, it needs hope, it needs love. It doesn't need Andrew, it needs Jesus. But how did Jesus say he's going to come? How did Jesus say he's now going to work? Through ordinary individuals, very ordinary individuals like Andrew and like you. He's going to come and move through us and help a broken and hurting world through ordinary human beings like you and me. As I said, the, the, the world is in need of, of healing. If we were to go to the Prince Charles Hospital and someone has a really serious infection, the doctors would um, put in a pick line and they would set the patient up with antibiotics. And um, as I learnt in the first service, I think you call that a, a fusion line, is that right? There'll be, I always get um, picked up by the experts after a sermon, they help me out and give me the right word. A fusion line or something like that to, to, to give those antibiotics to the person, they will be healed. Now, when that person walks out of the hospital, they are not going to go, that was an amazing fusion line. <laughs> like, it was round and it just amazing. It healed me. It's going to go, praise the Lord for those antibiotics that healed me. The, 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 the fusion line is just holding the antibiotics. It's just carrying the medicine to the person. The world doesn't need us. The world needs Jesus. Jesus said, I'll use you by you being a conduit for my love and my grace. I will put my spirit in you. I will live in you. And as you live that life dependent upon me, trusting me, looking to me, then I will work in and through you and around you. Incredible what he does. That is the model of his ministry. And I love that God loves to use ordinary people. Ordinary people, like you and me, being used by an extraordinary God. It doesn't 
need us to be apostles. It doesn't need us to be fully like, trained. It doesn't need us to be professional. It doesn't need us to be old and mature. The Holy Spirit doesn't come upon us once we've reached 10 years of being in church. The Holy Spirit will come and use anyone who believes in him and makes themselves available. Just recently, we did the Alpha training and I was able to go to the youth training and I saw young people looking to take Alpha into their schools. And one of those people was Jordan, a 14-year-old who goes to a state school in this area, comes to our youth group. And she, for a while, has been praying and asking, God, I would love to do Alpha in my school, knocking on doors, finding ways. And just recently, the doors opened for her to be able to take Alpha into her school. I think it started three weeks ago. She had 18 people come to do Alpha in her school. The next week, it was 21. I don't know how many was just last week gone. But I want to tell you, Jordan was not trained. Jordan doesn't have all the answers. She just made herself available and as she stepped out in faith, God is using her. And there are many stories like that. Ava at Genesis running a prayer meeting, Talia up at Marumba Downs, all stepping out in faith and being used in their school. I want to tell you, God wants to use you as you are, with your gifts, with your interests, with your passions, wherever you are, he wants to use you right there. And it won't be because of how good you are or special you are, it'll be because you have an extraordinary God. And as you follow his promptings and step into things, he will do what you can't. There's that capacity that's beyond yourself to do what God wants to do. So you see, there's the power of Jesus, there's the model of Jesus, and then it says, we'll see the works of Jesus. In 11 to 14, it says, believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the work themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me, listen to this, will do the works that I have been doing. And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. Remember he said it's to to your advantage. The multiplication, greater works. As we've been talking, Nathan's saying here, all of us, Jesus is saying, it's better I go because I'm going to come and live in all of you and then the whole world, like it can spread, the, the kingdom of God will spread across the whole world and you will do the same works that I have been doing. Now, if you look at the works of Jesus, they're incredible. <laughs> Feeds the 5,000, walks on water, raises the dead. There is that sense that as we function in this way, the Holy Spirit living within, within us, the supernatural will take place. But only some are gifted in miracles and things. I haven't got time to go down that track. Only some are gifted in those ways. But we're all gifted or empowered to live supernaturally. And I want to explain what I mean by that. If you look at these works here, it's in the context of Jesus saying, if you don't believe who I'm saying that I am, that I'm actually the Father and the Father's in me, that I'm God, if you don't believe what I'm saying, Look at the works of my life, look at them and then see that they are pointing to the fact that I am God. Jesus is saying in a similar way, you you might speak of me, but people will also see the way that you live your life and that will point them to Jesus that they would have faith in you. That's how Jesus wants to use us. And yes, sometimes that will be in miraculous ways of healing. But most often, 
It'll be normal and natural, everyday, spirit-empowered living. Let me explain this. When we did the first week of this series, we looked at generous compassion. Nathan shared a verse in the Bible study group, and it was from Luke 14, 12 to 14, where Jesus said this. He said, when you give a luncheon or dinner... Do not invite your neighbours, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbours. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, invite the crippled, invite the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteousness. What you see in that, I was challenged. I read that and I'm like, my normal way is I'll invite my relatives, I'll invite my neighbours, those people that are like, like me and they'll probably invite me back. But what I'm seeing here is Jesus saying, you've got to live differently. Love differently. Love with a compassion that is different to those around you. Love with a compassion that you probably don't even have within your own heart, Andrew. But as you align yourself with my plans and my ways, I'll empower you. And then people will look at that. This is so clear to me. People will look at that and say, what is it that's different about you? Everyone else invites their friends, the rich people, their relatives. But you, you invite the crippled and the lame. There's something about you. Do you see how the works of living the life empowered by Jesus points people to see there's something different? And there's a capacity about you, a power to be able to love in a way that's not natural. Why? Because we're filled with the Spirit. It's a God-given love. And then as we follow those promptings, and as we align our life with His kingdom and His purposes for our life, we will see Him work in these ways and people's attention will be born, brought to Jesus. Supernatural generosity. In a world that's wanting to gain and to accumulate and be secure, why is it that you are so generous? Well, why are you giving and loving the poor rather than just accumulating? Well, when we do that, when we follow the promptings, when we, we give all that we are to him and live with a supernatural generosity, people will say there's something different about you. You're not like everyone else. And there'll be a spirit's empowerment. Why wouldn't God empower that person? Because they're looking to build his kingdom, not their own. A supernatural peace. When, when we go through trials and difficulties, I remember on this stage baptizing Joseph and there he was in a wheelchair, just beaming, full of joy. And I thought, Joseph, I can see Jesus in you because there's no reason for you to be so joy-filled. Like your circumstances, they're not great. But there's something in you, Jesus in you, that I can see. A supernatural peace and joy in the midst of challenge that doesn't come from Joseph, it comes from Jesus. Uh, I um, heard a story this week about supernatural forgiveness. You know, in a world when you get hurt, the, the natural, it's not just the world, it's in all of our hearts, isn't it? When, when someone hurts us, the natural thing is just to retaliate, right? I heard this story again of another teenager in our church, in a school, a 14-year-old, Christian following Jesus sees a friend who is being just treated really badly, you might say bullied, and uh, this, this Christian teen, I'm just going to call her Priscilla, just so it's an anonymous story, Priscilla thought, oh, 
I've got to step in here. And she went to the person that was bullying this other girl, her friend, and said, I just want you to know what, what you're doing to this girl is really affecting her. Would you just stop um, treating her in this way? And she did that, and as can often be the case, that the bully actually turned their attention to Priscilla now, rather than to the friend, or maybe both, I don't know. But all of a sudden, Priscilla was starting to get evil eyes from this person, not treated well, rumours spread about her amongst the school, and uh, people you know, blaming her for what's going on. And for two months, she lived with this. And it was becoming so much, she said, she went to the person and said, I, I really didn't mean to offend you, but I was just saying, please stop treating this person that way. It's not nice. And the, the, the person said, I don't, there's no relationship here. I'm not your friend. And it was just so hard for her. And it came to the end of the term after two months of being treated like this kind of school every day. And she was sort of at at the end of herself in this sense, and she thought, oh, I can't wait to go on this Christian camp over the school holidays. And she went out to this Christian camp, and she's just so glad to be on break from school and everything that was happening in the friendships there. And to her surprise, she got there and realised that this person was also at the same Christian camp as her. And she thought, God, why? God, why? Why? And it just continued. And like she, again, at the end, toward the end, said, God, I've got nothing. I... You've got to do something in this situation. You've got to give me a wisdom or something to help me in this situation. She just prayed again. And there was a night there towards the end of the week. She was just in, in worship. And she's just worshipping God. And then all of a sudden, there was a hand on the back of her shoulder. And it was this girl. And said, oh, Priscilla, could you please pray for me? She was just in tears. And uh, I spoke to Priscilla. She said, I, I couldn't tell you what I prayed over her. I asked. She said, I couldn't tell you. She said, God came over me and led me by his spirit in a prayer over that girl that I can't even remember. It, it wasn't me. She was saying, God came. She prayed over that girl. They hugged in tears for two minutes, she said, and said they just held hands and they worshipped together. Now, that's not a miracle healing, but what it is, is supernatural living the way that Jesus has called us to live. The natural way is to retaliate. The natural way is to, to either avoid or to, to not forgive. But Jesus wants to show us a different way, and Jesus empowers us to live a different way. And as we do that, as there's a capacity that's bigger and greater and beyond us in our own human heart, he does what we can't. And this is the love and the life that our world needs. And as I ask the band up uh, in a moment, or just, yeah, they can come. This is... This is the work of the Spirit in our lives, to live supernaturally like Jesus. Not in our own strength, but the power of the Holy Spirit as we live dependent upon him, staying close to him, listening to him, expecting his power. I say that expecting his power because the only condition, the one condition it says in this, it's to all who believe. All who believe? And my question to us this morning is, do you believe this is who God is? Do you believe this is how God can work in and through 
your life? And would you move into it? Would you step into it expecting the power of the Spirit to come and to help you in your life? This morning, I thought one of the most natural things would be just to pray and for each of us to ask God to come and fill us with His Spirit. And that that will be good and we, we can do that. But I thought it's more than just a prayer, isn't it? It's like a commitment to say, this is the way that I'm going to live my life. I believe it, and therefore I'm going to live it. And I've just got a few truths that come out of this passage that I'm going to read to us in a moment. And and then as a response, I'm just going to ask us, if, if you feel comfortable, I know everyone's at different parts of the journey and different understandings of who God is. But if you feel that you can agree with these statements. We're just going to say, God, live that life through me. I believe. I believe this is the the life that you've called me to. I believe this is who you are. And so those statements are, I, I believe that you are God and I surrender to you. Can you pray that today just to, to surrender and just to live dependent upon him? I believe that the Holy Spirit lives in me. I believe that he will speak to me, lead me and empower me. I believe that he is bigger than my weakness and to act out of that. It's not about who I am, it's about who he is. There's a big one here. I believe that he is bigger than my I can't. You ever got that little voice in your mind? I can't, I can't do it. We have to believe that he is bigger then I can't. I can't, but He can. I believe that He has gifted me for kingdom purposes. And so would we stand and just bow our heads in prayer and stand with me now. And I'm going to read those prayers out just one line at a time. And if, you know, if it's your heart to agree and say, oh God, this is who you are. This is what I believe. I want to live out of that. I just want you after me to pray it out loud. As a congregation, for those that are comfortable, those that can agree, you pray it out loud after I've read it to you. So the first one is, I believe that you're God. I surrender to you. I believe that the Holy Spirit lives in me. I believe that He will speak to me. He will lead me. He will empower me. I believe that He is bigger than my weakness. I believe that He is bigger than my I can't. I believe that I'm gifted for kingdom purposes. And now maybe just open up your palms and say, come Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. So God, you hear our prayer. I love it, Lord. Lord, you're so aware of our hearts. You know every heart. You know who who we are. You know our weaknesses. You know our frailties. And God, you've heard the desires of our heart. 
And so, Lord, we pray and we ask that you would help us to live by faith, not in who we are, but in who you are. Would you become bigger in our minds, bigger in our experience? May we experience the fullness, I pray, of your Holy Spirit empowering and moving us, not for our own purposes, our own kingdom, but for your kingdom, for the sake of our community, for the sake of our world, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. We're about to worship. Like God is so big. As I said, He's so much bigger and greater than we can imagine. We have an opportunity to worship Him now, to lift Him up. It's all about who He is, not us. It's about who He is and how great He is. Let's worship Him. Now let's do that.
For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven on earth derives its name. And I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. And now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. And everyone said, Amen. Can we worship Him this morning and praise Him this morning? Lord, we thank You for this truth. We thank You, Your very presence dwells within us this morning. And Lord, we are praying for the greater things and the immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine through Your power at work within us, the immeasurably more in our relationships with one another, the immeasurably more in our front lines, in our workplaces, the the greater things in this community and this city and this world as You, Holy One, come and work in a supernatural way in us and through us. Oh Lord, come, help us, we pray this week. We cannot do it without You. And so we pray, fill us to all the fullness, mighty One. May Your power be at work. May we be surrendered to You, we ask. We pray this full of faith. And in the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Can we thank Him one more time? How good is it to be together this morning? You can grab a seat. Please grab a seat. If you'd like prayer in some way, our prayer to me down the front. They'd love to pray for you. Our prayer lounge as well up the back. Our connections lounge. If you're online, reach out to us through prayerandbridgement.org.au as well. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And we look forward to connecting with you again soon.